You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. is entitled Overcoming Fear. Overcoming Fear. Are you awake out there? That's good. Wonderful. And this is number two in Metamorphosis, the way of transformation. So we began to talk about this last week. Metamorphosis, the way of transformation. And we are going to read in a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Before we do that, I'd like us to all stand. This is something we started last week. Uh, all stand as we read our first text. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Amen. And just put your hands on your hearts and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Transform my life. Bring me from glory to glory. By your Spirit. Amen. You may sit and... I'm going to pray to Father, I'm asking that you would give me the words of life for your people, that we would hear you and be the people you have called us to be, to be, that we would be reflecting you, Lord. We would reflect your glory. We would be like mirrors reflecting your glory and that our eyes would be on you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So the theme this morning is this, you can overcome the Goliath of fear through these four ways that I'm going to share with you. So you can overcome the Goliath of fear. Now, this morning I have an uh, infographic, too, that you can access after the message. You can find it at brisbanefire.com. It's not a printed one. It's a digital one. But hopefully I can print it in the future. This is what it looks like. How to overcome fear. How to overcome fear. And you can use it to meditate on during the week and help share with others that come to you because I'm expecting all of you to be ministers of the word and that through the week people are going to come to you and you're going to be like a shepherd to them and I'm giving you these tools so that you can guide them and lead them. So let me introduce the message some more to you. Fear sells and fear spreads. 
sadly, fear is fueling the news media, both mainstream media and alternative media. And if you post a video that makes people fearful, it will likely go viral. We get so used to fear that we don't even recognize when we're operating in it. We don't even recognize when it's present because we become so used to it. Think about the children of Israel in the wilderness. What report spread faster? It wasn't the good news. It was the bad news. It was the bad news that the promised land would be too difficult to take. We can't do it. It's too difficult. They're too strong for us. All those words. There were giants and fortified cities in the land. And you can read about it in Numbers chapter 13. Truth, on the other hand, does not spread like weeds and viruses. It's like an acorn. Did you know that it takes 20 to 50 years for an English oak to grow to maturity and bear acorns? 20 to 50 years. In the same way, truth takes patience to grow. That is why Paul said to Timothy in preaching the word, be patient. And love, we know, is patient. So in an age of fear, how can you overcome fear? So today I want to share with you four ways you can overcome fear and be transformed. And these are all ways that I've been putting into practice in my life, and it works. <laughs> so the first point is this. Focus on the Lord's face. Focus on the Lord's face. Not the mountain and not the giant that is before you. But focus on the Lord's face. Today's Father's Day, and it's a father's role to impart courage and strength. And we see Moses doing this with Joshua. Moses was Joshua's spiritual father. And before Moses departed, he imparted faith to Joshua. And before we hear some of these final words of Moses, remember he began very fearful. And we saw that last week. He didn't even want to go to Pharaoh. And of course, I can understand that. And he tried to retreat from the mission. But as he spent time with God, the more and more he heard God, the more bold he became. And so we read in Deuteronomy 31. You can go there, Deuteronomy 31. I'll read some of his last words. So we see the journey that God has brought Moses through, where at first he was afraid to look at the Lord's face. We see in Exodus 3, he's afraid to look at the Lord's face. Then we see he's speaking to the Lord face to face as a friend would. So when Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to come and go. And the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. 
The Lord will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to, the, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Now listen to this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. Amen. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, look at how the Father is imparting strength. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord Yahweh is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So those are Moses' last words as he is encouraging the people to be strong, to be courageous, to not fear, to realize that the Lord is going with them and the Lord is with them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the verse we opened up with, Paul teaches us how we are transformed. And here the Greek word for transformed is metamorpho, metamorpho which is where we get our word metamorphosis from. And so there's a metamorphosis that happens, and he gives us the secret of how, and I'll read it again. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So we're transformed. How are we transformed? We're transformed by focusing on the glory of the Lord's face. And one of the things happen, one of the things that happens when you repent and turn to the Lord is the veil that was over your eyes beforehand is taken off and the eyes of your heart can now see the Lord and see his glory. You can see the beauty and the glory and the majesty of the face of Jesus. Every one of us who are saved, every one of us that has repented, the veil has been lifted off so that you can look into the Lord's face. And, and when you look into the Lord's face, you were created in his image. You were created like a mirror. When you look at him, you reflect him. And the more you look at him, the more you're transformed. The more you go from glory to glory. That means that the glory of God is increasing in your life. That means Jesus is shining through your face more and more. And I had this uh, blessed experience. I like to honor one of my spiritual fathers, Pastor Dennis Hodgelick. I had this blessed experience. He's still my spiritual father. That every year I would go and see him. There would be times of absence because I was here in Australia. And there would be, uh, you know, I was in Pensacola. Then I was in Australia. But I would go back and see him. And then sometimes he would come over here. And I had the blessing to see that every time I saw my pastor, he seemed more like Jesus. <laughs> there, was, there was something unique about him. There was something more beautiful. And that's something that 
you notice when there's some distance or some time apart from one another. Like if they're just like, you know, a person and you haven't seen them for a year, say they're uh, a teenager. Okay, it works good for a teenager. They're, they're a teenager, you haven't seen them for a year, and you come back and it's like, oh, you've grown. <laughs> or a little kid, they were five the last time you saw them, now they eight. Wow, you've grown, you've changed. And that's how it should be in our walk. The more we're seeing Jesus, the more we are transformed. And then his boldness gets inside of us. His courage gets inside of us because we've been looking at him. And that's the proper way to read scripture. Every time we read scripture, it's not merely for information. It is not so we can prove our, our argument. It is not so that we can be uh, a better apologist or something like that. The reason why you read the scripture is so that you can see the Lord's face and be transformed. So my desire when I come to the scripture is, Lord, let me see your face. Let me see the beauty of who you are. Let me see your courage, your boldness. And the more you do, the more you are transformed. Look to Yahweh's face rather than the mountain that terrifies you. Fear comes when we stare at the mountain. Fear comes when we stare at the Goliath rather than looking to the Lord who's able to move the mountain and the Lord who's able to bring down the Goliaths that intimidate us. The Lord's face is full of compassion, grace, patience, kind love, and truth. These are all transformative. And this is how Moses gained confidence. He spent time speaking to the Lord face to face. He spent time in Yahweh's glory. And that's the context of what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It all comes from Exodus 34.29. You can turn there. Exodus 34.29. And there was a time where Moses would go into the tent of meeting. He would come out. Joshua would stay there. Joshua would stay there even though Moses left. That was that type of, that was that love that Joshua had for the Lord. Now all of this here is in the old covenant. What Paul brings out is how much greater is this in the new covenant. So the same thing applies in the new covenant but even greater and more glorious. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. That is the Lord. He didn't know it. He was spending time with the Lord and this is an unconscious, unconscious transformation that happens in our life. He didn't realize that his face was shining. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. So they have a, they have a fear of this glory. Then Moses called to them and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him and Moses spoke to them. 
Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Now, I'll just pause right here. The reason why is they were afraid of that shining glory. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel, uh, what he had commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. So this is where Paul is drawing this from. And Moses had a glory that was fading away over time, but we have a glory that goes from glory to glory, ever increasing. And all of us can ascend the mountain of the Lord every day. I hope that's what we're doing this morning. And gaze at the Lord, gaze at his face, and be transformed. And have that boldness. And then go out and shine that boldness without fear. And shine that glory without fear. All the time Moses focused on the Lord's face, God caused him to reflect God's light. And he shined because the Lord shined. And we remember in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Amen. So this brings us to the second point. There's four in total. The second point is this. Embrace the Father's perfect love. Embrace the Father's perfect love. That love is shown to us by the fact that we can actually come into the Holy of Holies. We can actually come to Him and speak to Him face to face. And then the Apostle John says to us in 1 John 4, 18. And I expect that all of us know this verse, but it's good to be reminded of it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So I believe that deserves, and it's worthy of another repetition, another speaking of it. <laughs> there is no fear. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. So this is another secret to overcoming fear. Experiencing the Father's love dispels fear. Just like a drop of detergent disperses grime. Have you ever tried that experiment where you have dirt in a, a pool of water and you do one drop of detergent and all the grime and dirt goes fleeing to the sides? When you have just one drop of the love of the Father, 
it disperses fear. The Father's love is light. It's like light. It is light. And it dispels the darkness of fear. So when that light comes, it dispels the darkness of fear. So I want to encourage you to embrace the Father's love. Experience the Father's love. And even if you don't feel the love at the moment, still embrace it because Love is something that transcends feelings. God's love transcends our feelings. It transcends our emotions. He loves us even when our emotions are not feeling it. But do let God into your emotions. Because some of the most memorable memorable times in my life is experiencing the outpouring of Father's love in my heart. And even before I became a father, Gideon is our firstborn. The Father began to pour his love into my heart. That gave me a desire to want to be a father. And it gave me a desire to do what we're doing here today. The Lord was very generous and kind. I was newly saved. And for years and years, he would just pour in his love and pour in his love into my heart. Where I could experience it very, very tangibly. And... The Lord also said to me during that time time that you may not always tangibly feel my love like this, but I want you to remember how awesome my love is for you when you don't feel it. Because that love that you're experiencing right now, the power of it, the immersion of it, it's with you all the time, even when you're not feeling it. So my prayer for everybody is that everybody experiences the Father's love. And also know that that love is there even when you don't feel it necessarily. It's always faith that comes before feeling anyway. And we have to watch out as fathers that we're not basing our love of our family based on our feelings. Well... You know, basing your love on feelings is kind of the worst thing you can do because your feelings go up and down. And so, you know, if you don't feel good, well, I don't love you today. Oh, I'm not feel good. I won the lotto. I love you now. <laughs> well, our feelings go up and down, but God's love remains the same. And God's love actually stabilizes our, emotion, our emotions. The Christian life is one of continual and constant abiding and resting in God's love. It's a good study, too. A good study. Uh, just look at the love of God all throughout Scripture. His love does not decrease and shift for you. It stays the same. It's constant. It's not like the stock market. It's definitely not like Bitcoin. Amen. Or some crazy cryptocurrency. They're always popping out of these new cryptocurrencies, right? And some go up and down. Well, the Father's love is steady and stable. And why do we need to embrace that love? Is because we can only give what we have received. Again, like I... I said, even when you don't feel his love, embrace it and let his love into every part of you that fears. 
Father, let your love come into the areas where we fear. We embrace it. We invite your love in. Hallelujah. So we're talking about fear, but also realize there's something called the fear of the Lord, and that's not the fear that I'm talking about now. The fear of the Lord is the reverence, the awe, the wonder of God, and that's beautiful. At the same time, it's not something where you're running away from God. An improper fear means you run from God. The healthy fear of the Lord is you approach Him, and you don't want to do anything to hurt Him. Yeah, you respond to Him. His love is like light that dispels the darkness of fear. It's through an intimate relationship with your father that fear is cast out. And I want to encourage you this morning, all of us can have an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's not for the spiritual elites. It's for everyday people. It's for the youngest. The youngest among us and the oldest among us and everywhere in between. The Father invites us into intimacy, all based on what he did through Jesus on the cross, all based on the blood of Jesus, which the blood of Jesus is the perfect definition of what the love of God is. So that brings us to the third point, number three. So we talked about faith. Uh, we talked about focusing on the Lord's face, and we talked about in Embrace the Father's perfect love. And now, three is affirm who Christ is and who you are in him. Affirm who Christ is and who you are in him. One of the prominent roles of a father is to affirm their children. And when you read the apostolic letters, the epistles, you find the apostolic fathers constantly affirming the identity of God's children. It's one of the things of the first few reads of scripture I did not realize at first. And the more I read scripture through, the more I saw it in the epistles over and over that Paul, John, Peter are constantly affirming the people of who they are, who God has made them to be, who they are as the people of God. And because they have been made righteous, because they have been made holy, that's why they are to live righteous and holy. It's because of God's work that then they do God's uh, work. It's because of God's work in them that they do God's work in response. That's where the fruit comes from. It is because of their new identity that God's children are to live right and holy. If you look at Galatians 2.20, here Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
So this is the, uh, our whole old life is crucified with Christ. We live, but we live because Christ is living in us. Our ego has been put to death. And there's some, something that comes out in the exposition of this that we learn at Bible school. And that it's not merely faith in the Son of God. It's the Son of God's faith. His own faith in us. That's the grammar of the Greek there. That his, it's not based on the quality of our faith, but the quality of his faith in us. What a great gift, the gift of faith that is often missed when people uh, talk about faith. Yeah, it's a tricky one. But God's faith, Christ in us, and so that takes all the boasting away from us and it's all on him. And then listen to Jesus when Jesus is calming the fears of his people. Uh, he says in, this is the Sermon of the Mount, a sermon of the mount. It sounded like I said mouth. <laughs> a sermon of the mount. <laughs> uh, Matthew 6, 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor your body as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more? Are you, sorry, are you not worth much more than they? So here's the worth that the Father puts in us. Are you not worth much more than they. So the Father looks after us and watches over us and clothes us. Thank you, Lizzie, for the, uh, my birthday present, and I'm clothed in white. <laughs> and Matt. And Matt, thanks. <laughs> Now, how about this verse? So we're almost finished here. How about this verse? Romans 8, 15. And after we're finished, we're going to come around the communion table and have communion. And then I'm going to let you go early because I want you to spend time with your fathers. But listen to this, Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So we're not giving the spirit of slavery to fear, but the spirit of adoption. And by the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of Christ, as sons and daughters of God, sorry, as sons and daughters of God, we, we can cry out, Abba, Father. And then listen to Jesus. We're here, we're affirming who Christ is and who he is in us. And Romans 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then we compare that with Psalm 27. We read before, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So John 8, 12 and Psalm 27, 1. Was there a question?
No, no, you just hit Romans 8.15. Oh, so I made a mistake there. So the first one is Romans 8.15. The second one is John 8.12. So I might have made a mistake there. And thank you for my editor, Anna. Everybody needs an editor. The pencil and the eraser at work together as a team. <laughs> So, John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That brings us to the fourth point. So, the first one was focus. The second one, embrace. The third one, affirm. And the fourth is resist. Resist the spirit of fear through the power of the Holy Spirit. Resist the spirit of fear through the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. Fear is a spirit that you must continue to resist. Yes. And all the points we talked about before, focusing on the face of the Lord and embracing the Father's love and affirming who Christ is and who he is in us, all of those give us strength to resist the spirit of fear. Yeah. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. And you will need to do spiritual warfare to fight it. And you do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's His power in us. It's that spirit of sonship in us. Fear is like an ibis. And because there's no spirit of fear here, there's no ibises. But the more you, the more you chase, the more you chase the ibises... The more you chase an ibis, the more it runs away. But as you know, an ibis always tries to come back. But you shoo it away again. So you have these ibises. You run after it. They run away. But then you're sitting back, and all of a sudden it creeps up again. And then you have to chase it away again. And fear is like that. You need to chase away these birds that are trying to come and eat at us and steal from us. And we still love the ibis as God's creature. Americans like it when they see the ibis. It's, it's very interesting. And we think, oh, they're stinky and smelly. But for an American seeing this bird with this beak, it's, it's exotic. But for us, it's a pest. And Anna and Lizzie's dad, when the ibis would come here to worship, he would be upset. Get out of here. He would be chasing it away. Yeah, you don't want to feed fear because it'll keep on coming. More, it'll bring back. It, you know, you feed fear, it'll bring back its friends. All of a sudden they start coming. Hey, look, you get a good feed here. So don't be feeding fear. So you can do it with a prayer like this uh, to resist fear. You can do it with a prayer like this. 
Now, most of us would understand this, but some may be new to this type of praying. In the name of Jesus, I stand against you, spirit of fear. I will not tolerate you in my life. I command you to go. So all of us believers need to know our authority in Christ. And that authority, that authority enables us to resist fear or resist any demonic spirits there are. And sometimes we're getting pushed around and punched around because we're not resisting. We've got to take up the gloves and we've got to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, yes. I stand against you, spirit of fear. So you have power in the name of Jesus because of what Christ has done. In the name of Jesus, I stand against you, spirit of fear. And this is not you praying. There is a time to pray, Lord, deliver me from the spirit of fear. But then there is a time to actually speak to the spirit of fear and command it to go. This is what I'm talking about with authority. It's not, oh, Lord, please save me from this. No, no, no. Now we're talking about standing up. There's a time for prayer like that. But then there's a time for a different kind of prayer. There's a spiritual warfare prayer where you say, in the name of Jesus, get away from me. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Leave me alone. And so we need to discover, know, and stand in in our authority. And there'll be a lot less need of counseling. We thank God for counselors, but there'll be a lot less need for counseling and psychologists. We love them, and we thank God for every good one. But there'll be a lot less need when we realize our authority in Christ and stand in it. And sometimes something is so big that you can't do it yourself. You've got to get your brother. But two will chase. Ten thousand. Ten thousand, you know. Yes. Yeah. Is that like spiritual hygiene, sort of? Yeah. Like when we eat normal food, we also go to the bathroom and flush. Yeah. So spiritually, we also flush. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like spiritual hygiene. It's like keeping your house clean. Yeah. Uh, so the deliverance is a bit like that, where it's like getting rid of the, the rubbish, getting rid of the refuse. Amen. And that brings us to the end. And if you notice that all the points start with one of the letters of fear. So we have focus. Focus on the Lord's face. E, embrace the Father's love. A, affirm who Christ is and who you are in Christ. And R, resist, resist. Resist the spirit of fear through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're using this acronym for fear as like Goliath's sword to strike down the Goliath of fear. But let me say this kind of parting words here. Once fear goes, you'll need wisdom because just because, just because you have no fear doesn't mean it's wise to do something. I had a friend who didn't like one of the positions that they took up in Times Square Church. He was a very zealous uh, man. Uh, I lost touch with him. But Times Square Church is a big church. It's a big theater. 
and it was either Connor, Carter Conlon preaching or Don Wilkerson, and he got up in the middle of everybody, and he, I won't say what he said, but he blasted out something in, in the middle of the whole congregation while the preacher was preaching. It was not a uh, thing like amen or hallelujah. It was something to oppose the preacher preaching. And, of course, he had boldness. Oh, I have boldness. I finally did it. Well, he had also the security guards come and take him away. He had boldness but not wisdom. And so with boldness and with the lack of fear, we also need wisdom and we need to operate in love. Amen. So if you want, you can find, so during the after service, you can take this uh, digital copy of the infographic. You can press on it, save it to your phone, save it to, to your computer, and one day, God willing, we'll, we'll print it up. So let's all stand. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to come around the communion table. Uh, yeah, after we pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we can behold your face. Thank you that beholding your face transforms us into your image. And we go from glory to glory. And the more we gaze at you and behold you, the more we are set free. Sometimes we don't even know the fear that we're operating in, Father, but I pray that none of us would be operating in fear. That, Lord, you would set us free from fear this morning. And in the name of Jesus, we resist and command fear to be gone from our hearts, to be gone from our minds. That we would be fear-free. And that when we are feeling fear, we would look to you again. We, re we would remember these things from your word. And I'm praying also for a special blessing on everybody watching at home or watching this at a later date, that in the name of Jesus, you would deliver them from fear. Yes. And right there in their home, you would bring peace and that you would bring an outpouring father of your love to them. Father, we open up ourselves to you, that you would pour in your love in our hearts and it would dispel fear. And we would know, Father, that you are caring for us, that you love us, that just as a, a father will do everything, a good father will do everything to care for their children, Lord, you do everything to care for us. Thank you, Father. And give Give a boldness and an impartation on all the fathers today to reflect the Heavenly Father to their family. And raise up, Father, raise up the spiritual fathers. Raise up the spiritual fathers to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. To stand and to have no compromise. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The, the last thing we're going to do is we're going to take communion. We won't spend too much time.